United States founding father John Adams is credited with saying, Ours is a nation of laws, not of men. On today's pod, we're going to bring you another episode in our Pets in the Law series. We will be highlighting the important work of our local animal control office, which plays a critical role in enforcing animal laws and promoting responsible pet ownership for the benefits of all members of our community. That's today on the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome into the Family Pet Podcast, the podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, joined by my co-host and man with a face for radio, or podcast as the case may be, Stephen. Welcome in, Stephen. Hello, Michael. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> you told me I was running out of things to say, and yeah, so I came okay. up with a new one. Congratulations. That was but new. No. We're I just want to point out the we're fact. We're at episode 59 today, it, and I have not used that intro. No, you've never done that one. Well, it's because normally you have your face all covered with this big bushy beard. Yes, and now it's beautiful. Once again, my wife is happy. My beard is shaved. We raised money for St. Baldrick's. Uh, if any listeners out there missed the opportunity to donate to my, the cause, St. Baldrick's is a great organization all about raising money to fight childhood cancer. So I shaved my head back uh, on St. Patrick's Day and my face as well, much to my wife's delight. My kids were sad, but my wife was happy. Happy wife, happy life. That's indeed. Speaking of happy, Stephen, do you remember the first day you brought Gracie home, your little shizu that everyone has heard about? All this time. Yes, when my... I, for some reason, we were out driving, and, and we were out um, near the Paul's facility on, on West Murfreesboro, and I said, hey, we should stop in. Why would anybody do that? I don't know. Just randomly say, I'm going to take the family to Paul's, because when we did, we walked around and, and saw this little Shih Tzu who was scared, hiding, and just begging to come home <laughs> the funny thing is i don't remember what the day is but my my son luke can tell you the exact day he, really? he knows the gotcha day he just has it memorized um and celebrate every every year hey it's gracie gracie's, gracie's gotcha, gotcha day, day. And we're like oh okay well um, we have the man that has made that bonding possible mr michael gregory the director of paul's here in rutherford county tennessee uh, Mr. Gregory, welcome in. Thank you for having us. So for those that don't know, we, we are saying PAWS, like P-A-W-S. Can you explain to, to our curious pet parents out there listening, what is PAWS and what do you do? Rutherford County PAWS is a county government uh, organization department. The name is PAWS Pet Adoption and Welfare Services, uh, which is a, a, a much nicer name of saying what it used to be, which yeah. is rabies and rabies animal control. control. The right. dog um, pound. So whenever they moved from uh, Haley Road over in 04, they brought up that new name, Rutherford County PAWS, and it, and it suits us well. I appreciate the fact that they did that. It's just a, a whole lot nicer name, and it, and it goes into a lot more detail of, of what we do. The things that we do aren't um, always doom and gloom and that type thing. So it, it, it puts... Um, a much different perspective on our department. You said Paul's moved and came over there and and it's the facility over there is really nice. We moved in that facility back in December of 2004, I believe. That was before my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're coming up on about 20 years there in that facility. Wow. Um, if anybody remembers the old old facility over on Haley Road, um, drastic improvement. <laughs> yeah. That's drastic where, do you remember, Stephen, going to the Haley Road uh, site? And yeah, because we adopted many... I was at least two dogs. We, we from sound that really one. bad. All of our dogs came. How many dogs did you have? Well, we lived 
Yeah, this so, is we've come a long way. Yes, in our yes, <laughs> animal yes. husbandry in our lives. But uh, it was our family. I, hey, but it was a trailer. It was like a, a brick. It was very sad. It it was a lot less. But is that that kind of journey throughout the United States where you used to just have this out of sight, out of mind dog pound versus what pet adoption and welfare s- services is that a common story uh, across the country fairly common um that facility over on haley road y'all mentioned the trailer that was the uh, single wide i think that was parked right. out there i only went there a yeah. couple of times before they had moved out and then they had that little brick building and then they had the metal building behind it and i mean it's still in use today as a recycling recycling center, center for electronics. Is, you know, that's right. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy that it's still being used by the county. But yes, as, if you'll look back over most of the histories of animal controls, uh, depending on when they started, they kind of started out with that, and it was more of the the rabies and animal control and the f- enforcement arm, and there really wasn't a focus on uh, adoption and being a resource to the community and those type things. So by then, you know, when we moved into Paul's, that kind of changed that kind of a rebrand, if you would say. Uh, and just has kind of set us up for where we are today in 2023. Now, we've had a couple of l- episodes here on the Family Pet Podcast where we've talked about pets and the law. We talked one about like our pets' property and things like that. We had another episode where we had another attorney came in and talked to us about uh, estate planning and making accounts for our pets should something happen to us. And this, uh, I think, really slides in as like episode three of our Pets on the Law because you did mention... <laughs> just every time you say it, it's Pets on the Law, Pets on the Law. So you you already mentioned enforcement, the enforcement arm. Let's talk a little bit about the law enforcement part of what you all do. Um, who is responsible for enforcing animal laws in Tennessee and in particular maybe the county level? It, it varies for certain types of things. Uh, when it comes to most things in Rutherford County, we're the arm that's responsible for that. Uh, those would be our folks that you would think of, our animal control officers. You mentioned a while ago the hated word dog catcher. Uh, that's one way that we've evolved a lot over the last uh, several years. But those are your folks that are going out, that are investigating um, uh, various type calls, going out, kind of being the face that you see out on the road, uh, assisting folks out in the field. Um, that's that's the majority of who handles uh the laws there are rutherford county ordinances that we have that are specific to our county but most of the laws that we're enforcing are going to be laws that are in the tennessee code annotated which which uh, dictate certain things as far as state law uh, for us to be able to enforce now you get some gray areas there of course with anything when it comes to the law there's certain animals that only certain folks can investigate um, types of cruelty and those type things so we work in conjunction with the department of ag the department of health on a lot of those different things for enforcement. What are the qualifications for an animal control officer? You mentioned that only certain people can investigate certain right. things. Or, yeah. so. I want to ask this because oh. I don't know if some of our listeners are aware. Michael served as an animal control officer and I'm just like, if they hired this guy, oh my goodness, what what are the qualifications? I will, let, I, will um, I will mention that I scored higher on any than anyone had ever scored on the little test that they give you when you first interview. So let the record re- let the record reflect. <laughs> well, we don't do that test. Oh. <laughs> so 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 what you're so what I'm hearing uh, you say is that uh, my record will forever stand. Maybe I should bring it back. I like out. that. First, I got scared when he said Michael, thinking he was talking about me <laughs> and all this brotherly banter. So. When it comes to being an animal control officer, kind of the biggest things that we look for is this. You have folks that come and they apply to shelter and they and some of the first words out of their mouth would be, I love animals, but I can't stand people. 
that is not the job for you because while we deal with animals, we deal with people way more than animals. So we're looking for folks that are, that have some animal experience, hopefully, but a bigger thing is, is customer service and focusing on our customers and our citizens and how we can best help them. So we're looking at that. We're looking at the, at the backgrounds that they have in those various things. The biggest thing too, is looking for someone that's, that's teachable. It is a very difficult position. As you, as you know, every call that you go on is while the call may have the same structure to handling it, the situations are all different. So it's being able to get out there, use some common sense, using customer service and those type things. And and some of those things, animal wise, we can teach some of those things, customer service wise, they're a lot harder to teach. Um, So trying to find who we feel is going to be the best fit there. Also someone that that's open to um, looking at different ways of doing things. There's not always a cooker cutting cooker cutter method for doing those particular calls and someone that has some some compassion there and and some common sense and those type things when they're handling those different calls so you mentioned that every call is different but i imagine that that some calls are more similar to others what are what are some of the most common types of calls that you receive uh the most common type are going to be our what we would head under investigate which investigate can fall under investigate neglect investigate cruelty investigate um, uh, abandonment Bite calls are are a, a big number of calls for us. Um, so a bite case is something that, you know, you don't go out and handle that call today and it's one and done. You're going out potentially sometimes every single day having to follow up on that call, looking for, an, for a biter animal. The reports on those are very extensive. Um, our proof of vaccination calls is one that's, uh, that's opened up strays, strays and traps, um, potentially dangerous dogs is a, is a call that we have. So it kind of runs the gamut. And again, while a lot of the different ways we handle those calls are the same, are the same, you're still dealing with different folks in different situations and that's, you're dealing with them and their animal or, you know, in the situation of a bite case, the victim may not be an animal owner at all. So you're dealing with a family that may have um, zero experience with animals, but now they've kind of got lumped into this because of a bite case. We're having to try to walk them through what the law says on those different cases. We, you mentioned, and I, I'm just going to, I was going to try to guide you to this answer, but okay. I'm just going to come out and say it. The, the reason that this is so important you, is rabies, right? Like yes. you, you mentioned rabies control was what, what it used to be called. Rabies control is what was on the trucks for the longest time. Um, and when we were going out and trying to find a dog that has bit somebody, maybe it ran off into the woods or was just, you know, a random attack or something. The, the reason that that's such a concern is, is because of rabies and that if a, if a dog bites somebody or a cat or a raccoon or a skunk or a fox or whatever bites somebody, if we, if we can't prove that that animal doesn't have rabies, we assume that it does because it's deadly. If you, if a, if a human is to contract rabies, they, they're going to die. Correct. So the, the work that, that you're doing in, in tracking these animals down, uh, and enforcing the vaccination rules it's it's a um a life-saving service that you all are doing correct to go along with that i mean a lot of people think see rutherford county paws and they think of a uh you know a private humane society or something like that we are a county department uh and we fall under public safety uh whether we do another adoption ever again which thankfully you know we're able to do that but our number one focus has to be public safety Mm -hmm. and rabies rabies ties in with public safety why do you think we have animal control like specific people versus just putting it through the sheriff's department for example 
I don't know. Uh, that's been something that actually had been brought up. Because you all do, you ago. all are a law enforcement arm. The animal control officers have the authority. They're they're deputized to write tickets and prosecute Correct. for but, violations of the law. Correct. They're not post certified in those type things. Mm-hmm. There are some organizations to where you know the animal control in the city might fall underneath the police department or in the county might fall underneath the sheriff's department. That's been something that that they've I think tossed around several several years ago here. Um, the biggest thing for that, though, is this. I, I'm happy that we're our own independent department right now. The commission has decided to do that. If they change that, I'll follow that as well. Mm-hmm. For us being able to focus on the public safety part, which is the law enforcement, but then when you have to couple and marry that with the shelter side of it, that's something that you know, sheriff's department or law enforcement department is not necessarily going to be geared towards. Right. You know, so that's when you look at some folks that uh, some situations, you know, animal control and enforcement falls under the sheriff's department or the police department, and then they have their own shelter that just handles the sheltering side of it. But there's, you know, there's a disconnect between the two of those. I'm not sure how that quite works. Thankfully, right. we're all, you know, housed under the same same building and, and all kind of work together as a team. And what were some of those calls that had to be investigated by certain people? You mentioned not everybody can investigate everything. There is a the way the law is written when it comes to large animals. Only certain folks qualify under the law to be able to investigate um, uh, abuse and neglect towards large animals. Uh, this large the, animals being like horses livestock, and cattle, livestock, yes, yeah. those type things. Food animals, yeah, mainly livestock is I think is how it's listed in the laws. The main, biggest reason there for that is you know the legislature saw hey we don't the way that people view dogs and cats is different than the way you view livestock and and animals like you said that are food animals so they wanted to make sure in the law that it was written that hey there's only certain folks that can go out and evaluate livestock Um, it's actually changed a little bit here recently it used to be that it was uh, extension agents uh, veterinarians and folks with a degree in animal science now uh, the extension agent part has been has been pulled out. They they really wanted they wanted that out. They I wanted can, it out. I can bad. tell you. So for our listeners, uh, Paul's is right across the street from the extension <laughs> office, and so I worked there while Doctor Shirley was finishing veterinary school, and then for the first year of our marriage, and uh, when we knew that we were going to be in Murfreesboro working, I started applying other places, and uh, one day I just packed up my little area my officer my badge number was 431 so around the 431 computer i boxed it all up it fit in one box and i walked across the street to my new job at extension and still got to go out on animal control calls uh, with livestock but one of the crazy calls that i got was uh, a neglect call for livestock neglect the person called in to pause to file a complaint that there was a a area like a there was a barn and there was these emaciated cows that were standing out in front of this barn every morning and there was no grass in the lot they were and there clearly was nothing so hungry for, there was nothing for them to did, eat did they do it 12 hours later in the afternoon too? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. yeah right and so um i went out there on uh, canesville pike and i was like oh it's the dairy farm <laughs> so yeah they were just dairy cows right. but there was a disconnect there and i think i know you all have a public information officer or a public relations officer who helps with a uh, client edu- or uh, community education right. so maybe we can have you bring her back in and sure. talk a little bit about that sometime sure. we'd love to do that good um do you have to respond to all the calls that come in that's a kind of a trick question ah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes and no. When it comes to a bite case, which is what we were, we were talking about earlier, the law states that if an animal has bitten or is suspected to have bitten, then you have to treat that as a bite. Yes, we mm-hmm. have to respond to those. For us, though, how we kind of look at those things, we, we prioritize our calls. So, you know, if it's neglects, if it's an animal injured person in, in danger, which we, we would call our, our like our one through four calls, those we want to respond to the same day. Uh, when it gets to, you know, your five and six calls, which are going to be your, your stray calls, your um, public service calls, those type things, you know, those are things that can kind of go by the wayside if we have to. So we have to, you know, much like any law enforcement agency, we have to look and go, you know, they have to say, well, we have a, a murder over here and we have a fender bender over here. Which right. one are we going to handle? Yeah. We kind of have to do the same thing. Yeah. But um, things have been for the last three years, I guess now, gosh, are we three years post COVID now? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Things have been really weird in our business, uh, not just for us, but for, for every animal control and every director that I speak to is just um, expectations are a little bit different, I guess. And also we're much like uh, any organization right now that's having to uh, face staffing issues. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very difficult time uh, right now, just trying to keep up with the calls that we have to run. Right. Um, So we're, we're working through that. We've got some things in the, in, in the works that we're, Hopefully, will put us in a lot better position. But to answer your question, yes. But also to answer your question a little bit, no. Yeah, you you you're triaging your calls just Correct. like we do at the vet office. Correct. If we have a hit by car, it it stops everything. That becomes the new priority. Right. And so your days, your officers could get a list of calls to run, but that could change in an instant Correct. if needed. Correct. So to help with that triaging, but efficiencies uh, of your workflow, are there things that that you wish that could reduce calls? Is there educational efforts that you're doing? How, how do you lessen the the volume? Not really necessarily a way to to lessen the volume. We looked over over this last several years. We looked at particular calls to where we weren't being effective, and you know that's not that's not a good use of our resources, uh, especially with our population growing like it is by leaps and bounds. We had to start going. Okay, you know, for instance, when you were there back in the 2000s it was you know somebody people were going out and and folks had two and three traps in their yard capturing capturing skunks and raccoons and imagine what it's like now so Mm -hmm. you know several years later with the way the the population has grown and and going out into those more rural areas just because you see a skunk in your yard or a raccoon in your yard doesn't mean that it's rabid and and, you know you need to contact animal control so that was something that we stopped doing trying to make sure that we were more efficient the biggest things that we have right now is just focusing on what is required by the law for animal uh, for an animal to have. The law says food, water, care, and shelter. So educating folks on that to make sure those things are being provided at a minimum. The law requires an animal has to have a current rabies vaccine. If that's not current, that needs to be done. That's something that we're that we're asking while we're out on calls. And then the biggest thing is just making sure animals stay home. If your animal's home and it's not running at large, the risk of it getting hit by a car and injured, the risk of a bite, the risk of so many other things go away. So just take just using some common sense approaches when it comes to those things can really help our department a lot. How often do your officers end up in court these days? Well, um, it varies. Uh, we probably they they are signed 
court dates now right. and oh, okay and it just depends on where that officer is and what they're writing <laughs> and this that and the other we, i know there were certain parts yes. of our county back in the day that and i ended up in court more often when i was in those zones than others yeah. so yeah so some 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 months we have officers that go that will have 15 cases for that month mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes they won't have any cases for that month some of it just depends on uh, you know how things go in court for that particular month they, are things able to be settled are they hiring an attorney do they want a hearing those type things so some cases drag on uh, for quite some time but our department has always been we we don't want to to cite someone we always want to go an educational route first sure. yep. you know the law talks about when it comes to cruelty and neglect the owner has to willingly and knowingly we want to take that portion out we don't want anybody to say well you took me to court and i didn't know i was supposed to do this right if we're taking you to court it's because you've been warned yeah, several times. Exactly. Well, uh, Michael, I know you were nervous about joining us. You had never done a podcast before, but I thought I think you've done a great job. I feel like we need to get Animal Planet down to Rutherford County, Tennessee, and do Animal Cops Rutherford County version. They could just I have be great. No idea what you're talking. You've about. never. That's actually what caused me to go and apply at Paul's. <laughs> they might be disappointed, and our public might as well, because then they expect calls to be handled in thirty minutes oh, yeah, or less. Right. With commercial breaks. Yeah, with commercial right? breaks. <laughs> I was actually at home studying for my. I was in at, at MTSU studying for my small animal care uh, uh, final, and I was watching Animal Cops on Animal Planet while doing it, and I thought, huh, I wonder if they're hiring, and that's how I got started with Paul's. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, we appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man to come down here to the to the Family Pet Podcast. I hope can can you uh, come back uh, next week? Come back, sure, be happy to come back. Yeah, we mentioned bring Gracie, bring, bring and, Gracie. Yeah, we'll have her with us. Talk to us a little bit about PR stuff. Sure. So good. Well, it is time for everyone's favorite episode that still doesn't have a sponsor, uh, and that is our fun fact section of the show. And this is Mr. Gregory, where you provide a random bit of knowledge that will help our curious pet parents out there win trivia night at the local pub or at least impress their friends and family at dinner so do you have a fun fact for today when was the first animal control started in the united states and what reason was it started hmm let's see i'm gonna say in the 1800s that gives us that gives me a wide range (laughs) i have Uh, no idea could you narrow it down a little bit? Uh, related to food. No, safety. I would say like rat infestation, oh, animal control. Oh. So like New York City. The plague. Yeah. You're, you're some, getting warmer. Something New York like City? That. New York City? The New York City. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Cats 18, the, yeah. 1885, New York City. 1885. 1880, 1866. Um, wow. That's pretty close, Stephen. Yeah. It was pretty close. 18 what? 1866. 1866. Civil and, War era for what? Where and what? Uh, it was by Henry Burke, and actually the organization eventually became the um, ASPCA that everybody hears out of New York. You, the sad music is coming to your head now. New oh, yeah. York City, yeah. eyes of the angel. We'll move on while he'll stop singing. <laughs> Please. Uh, it actually was started uh, because there was concern over the care of uh, horses that were pulling carriages, making sure they weren't being overburdened and overworked. Hmm. For, okay. That's cool. That, that, and that was and that was the genesis of animal control in the United States. Animal control in the United States. That's kind of where it all started. There may have been a few odd end things. But there, I but feel like this may be the that, most. This may be the m- most likely the most, trivia, the most likely trivia question that someone has provided us that may actually be used in trivia night. <laughs> yes. So, but that could I mean, be an award winner. That and could if, be it. So help me, if somebody wins or ever hears that question asked, you have to respond to us. Please you have to us let know. us know. Yes, and we want to cut out the prize too. Absolutely. 
That's <laughs> absolutely that five dollar gift certificate. Right. It's got to split. The biggest prize that I would like is for our listeners to take a moment and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Give us a follow, a subscription, whatever. I guess it's a follow. We're not charging for this. Or a like. Yeah. Or a like. And leave a, a review or a rating. That is the only prize I need. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Family Pet Podcast. And until next time, stay curious. The Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet Podcast is a production of Family Pet Health PLLC and is recorded in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only, and you should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on anything that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com.